Good morning. So this is our last week of our Advent series. Um, I've really enjoyed it. I feel like it's been a great way to kind of focus our celebration of this season. Uh, We've talked about hope, peace. uh, We've talked about joy. And this week we're talking about love. So just like every other week, we're going to start off with our corporate reading. Uh, We're going to start with Matthew 1, 18 through 23. Can we go ahead and get that on the screen? There we go. And then uh, let's go ahead and read this together. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then let's get John 3, 16 through 17. Let's read this. It says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but you save the world through him. All right, so like I said, we are going to talk about love today. Uh, At the end of that Matthew 1 passage, it says, Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is a big deal. Uh, When I was looking over for this message, it made me think about, um, you know, why is... The love of Jesus different than anything else. Uh, pretty much every world religion preaches love. They teach love. They teach that love is important, that love is one of the main things that, that leads to the kind of life we're supposed to live. Um, Buddhism teaches that compassion and mercy uh, reduce suffering and is necessary for enlightenment. Um, Islam, uh, Muhammad, is reported to have said, you will not enter paradise until you believe, and you will not believe until you love one another. Hinduism teaches of this elevated kind of love, and if you look through all the world religions, you'll see some sort of teaching on love. So it makes us think, what is it that is different about Jesus? What is it that's different about what Jesus did, about what we believe? Um, and I believe that it's right there in Matthew one twenty three, where it says that his name shall be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Um, John thirteen thirty four through 35, Jesus said this. He said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Um, you know, he's basically saying this is going to be your calling card, the, the love that you have for each other. And, and when Jesus left this earth, what we saw is that there was this massive spread of Christianity uh, among the world in the midst of persecution. We saw that, that um, 
there was just this, this great growth of this move of Jesus. And if Jesus is saying, hey, listen, this is going to be your calling card. This is the one thing that people are going to be able to look at you and say, hey, I realize that you are a follower of Jesus because of the way that you love each other. And that was going to be the thing that they held on to. And there was this massive spread of Christianity. I believe that, that now, obviously, we talk about how the numbers, the, the spread of Christianity here in the United States is, is um, not doing very well. We're not keeping up with um, uh, the, the, the growth of population. We're just not growing like we should. And so I, I think that it could be said that maybe if Jesus said, hey, the one thing that people should be able to look at you and should be able to tell that you're a follower of me is the love of Christ, maybe this is the thing that we've been missing. And why we've been missing it, I think, is because I think that we have... Uh, a misunderstanding of what the love of God is and what it means for the love of God to be in us and for us to love others. I think a lot of times we misconstrue love with, e- with either one just coming to church and just being here on a Sunday morning and that being your relationship with Christ. Uh, another is I think that sometimes we misconstrue it with um, kindness. We think, oh, if I hold doors open for people or if I smile or if I'm nice— but everybody, that, that's not anything that's world-changing. The majority of people in, in the world, maybe not in this area, but the majority of people in the world, they, they view kindness as something that's going to um, propel um, a culture or, or going to you know, propel a civilization. And so what is it about the love of Jesus that is so radical? And that's what we're going to take a look at today. Um, And there's four things. It's because it, and then the first thing is that because it came to us. Because the love of Jesus came to us. Uh, I am a a huge Broncos fan. I've said that a hundred times. But me and my dad used to, uh, a couple times, went to the Broncos training camp out in Colorado. And it was really cool, really fun experience. Uh, But at the end of each practice, they have it where... Uh, the players will sign autographs. And not all of them, but just some of them will come and sign autographs. And uh, what, it would, <laughs> what it typically would be is like <laughs> rows of like five, six-year-olds and then me being in my 20s, like unashamedly like reaching stuff out, like trying to get it signed, like over the kids. Like I've got a really good reach. And so, um, but Peyton Manning one of the times was signing and everybody rushed to this this. There was this massive group of people trying to get stuff signed by Peyton Manning, and there was kind of a security guard type guy, and um, he just took his job way too seriously. And he was like, um, NFL MVP, Super Bowl MVP, uh, one of the, the, the best known NFL players of all time, future Hall of Famer, yeah, your past three rows, what well, makes you think you're going to get an autograph? And it's like, okay, jerk, like you don't have to be so mean about it, but... Um, what he's saying is the level of importance usually dictates the chances of you being able to reach somebody. Uh, how important somebody is dictates how easily it is going to be to reach that person. <coughs> Excuse me. I remember <clears throat> in high school, uh, you know, we talked about valedictorian speakers. And I thought, um, or, or um, 
you know, the speaker that, that would be for the graduation. And I remember thinking, man, it'd be awesome to have Will Smith as our speaker because I'd watched him on, you know, Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. And I thought, man, like he inspired me to read. I think this would be really awesome to have Will Smith at my Loudoun County High School graduation. So I Googled, how do you reach Will Smith? And um, there was like all these different numbers and agencies to call and all this kind of stuff. And nobody gave me the time of day. And he didn't come and speak, obviously. Uh, and I realized, man, it, it, when somebody is extremely important, it's, it's very, typically it's very hard to reach that person just based off of how important they are. And we look at Jesus, the creator of the world, like God himself. It makes no sense that, that we would be able to reach him. And, and what most religions teach is that God, being as important as he is, that we have to get to God in some way. And that he's so important that there's a lot of really good things that you have to do. There's a lot of stuff you have to prove about yourself, about how innately good you are in order for God to accept you, in order for you to reach God. You know, the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of time, the Tower of Babel, that's, that's what it was. We were going to reach God. We're going to build this tower and be as good as God. And that's what... That's what the majority of the world believes. So you have to be good enough. You got to do something. You got to prove yourself in some way to where God will look to you and see you are the cream of the crop and say, you know what? They are good enough. I love them. But this is what's amazing about the love of Jesus is that God came to us. Romans 5, 6 says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us Sinners, You see, Jesus came down from heaven. Um, there's a quote from uh, Jared uh, Lopez, I think, from the Dad Tired uh, podcast. And he said this, Christmas is proof that Jesus draws towards broken people, not away from them. See, God decided, you know what? Man could never reach me. They could never be good enough. You could never be good enough to reach God. Allow that to sink in because sometimes I think we allow pride to well up in ourselves and we think, yeah, I know, but I'm not as bad as most people. But every single one of us had zero chance at reaching a relationship with God on our own. And so God didn't look to that and say, you know what, they, they can't reach me too bad. He said, you know what, I'm going to do something. I'm going to go to them. I'm sending my son, Jesus. So that's the first thing is that that Jesus' love came to us. The second is that Jesus' love is contrary to logic. It's contrary to logic. Romans 5, 7 through 8 says this, Now most people would not be willing to die uh, for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. What Paul is saying is, here is that, listen, this is just absolutely crazy, the love of God. Because he's willing to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were doing the very thing that was going to put him on the cross. That's when Jesus decided, you know what, I'm going to die for them. Not saying, you know what, they're a pretty good person. I'll, I'll do something good for them. No, at our very worst, when we were rejecting him. 
when we are living lives that were completely turned from him, saying, you know what, God, I don't need you. That is the moment that he died for you. It doesn't make any sense. You know, we all love a good revenge story. You know, Liam Neeson and Taken, uh, you know, Princess Bride. Where he's like, my name is Amigo Nontoya. You kill my father, prepared to die. You know, like you just get chills of like, yes, kill that man. But mean girls, you know, all great revenge stories. Uh, there was a video that, as of last night, had 46 million views. It was just posted like this last week. I don't know if you saw it, but it was where this guy was tired of packages being taken from his, from his door. Yeah, and he, and he created this, this, he's like a NASA type guy, and he created this glitter bomb that like when someone opened it, it would just like shoot all this glitter everywhere, and then it would shoot fart spray every 30 seconds. And, um, and the cool thing is that on the return label, he put that it was like from Kevin McAllister, which is the guy from Home Alone. I was like, man, this is really well thought out. And, um, and it's, it's spreading like wildfire because people love when people get what they deserve. They love a good revenge story. And, and, and this is what's so crazy about the love of Jesus is that it's so contrary to that. It's so the reverse of a revenge story because a revenge story would be that we deserved total separation from God. We deserved hell. And what God said is, listen, I know that you did that. I know that's what you deserve. But I'm going to give you something that you don't deserve. I'm going to love you in a way that is so contrary to logic. You know, we did not deserve the love of Jesus. Our actions and our sins, are, we deserve so much uh, worse than what we have. Many times I believe this is what keeps people from coming to Jesus because they refuse to admit the fact that we don't deserve what, what God has to give us. We want, in our minds, we just want to convince ourselves that somehow we deserve or we earn the love of Jesus. I, had, um, I went to a debate with, with Amber and a couple of our friends, and it was, this, it was at uh, George Mason, and it was this uh, Christian apologist named David Wood, and then a Muslim apologist named uh, Shabir Ali, and it was, it was a really good debate. Like, it was cool because they uh, didn't believe, uh, obviously they had totally differing views, but the way they debated, it was, it was really cool, just the respect that they had for each other. But at the very end of the night, there was this guy that, that asked Shabir Ali this question about, about grace, you know? And, and grace is, is God giving us what we don't deserve. So it's, it's him, you know, it's the whole story of, of salvation, about how Jesus came to give us salvation, to die in our place, something that we didn't deserve. And Shabir Ali, he, he, he kind of stopped. He's like, this, this is what doesn't make any sense. He's like, there are, there are no governments in the world that this would, this would work. There is nowhere in the world that, th that this takes place. He's saying this makes no sense. Basically saying that there's no sort of merit, there's no sort of um, way to judge who deserves it, who doesn't. And that's what's so beautiful about Jesus, is that it doesn't make sense. It wouldn't work as a government because it's not fair. What we get is not fair. What we, there's no way that we earn it or deserve it. And it's when we get to that point where we realize, man, this is so contrary to logic. I've done nothing to deserve 
this love of Jesus, that's when we get to the point where we truly understand that love of Jesus. You know, mercy, what's great is that Jesus did not just give us mercy, which is um, not giving us what we deserve, which is total separation from him, which is hell, which is death, which is everything terrible. But he gives us grace, which is giving us that which we don't deserve, which is a relationship with him, eternity with him. Uh, Philip Yancey, I read this quote this week. It's so good. He said, one who has been touched by grace will no longer look on those who stray as those evil people or those poor people who need our help. Nor must we search for signs of love worthiness. Grace teaches us that God loves because of who God is, not because of who we are. And when we understand that, it gives us a huge dose of humility to understand, man, there is nothing that I did to deserve the love of God. There's nothing that anybody else can do to deserve the love of God. And so it really puts us all in the same um, uh, playing field of like, listen, none of us deserve this. And so when we look to someone who is lost, they've done just as much to be lost as we have, but we've just somehow found the grace of God, which we don't deserve. And so when we hang around people that don't know Jesus, it brings a humility about ourselves that it kind of um, melts away being so judgmental because you realize, man, I, I'm in the same place that they are. Just by the grace of God, I've been saved. It's nothing to do with what I've done. And I think sometimes your friendships and, and, and the relationships that you have with people who aren't saved, when they're not viewed as just like, oh, those poor lost people. When you're viewed as like, hey, we are human beings. We are equals. And, and listen, I, like, I, I'm not any better than you are. I just have a relationship with God who, because of his nature, gave me his grace. Not because of anything that I've done or anything I deserve. So we see that, you know, Jesus' love came to us. We see that um, Jesus' love, um, you know, is contrary to logic. The third thing is that Jesus' love is communal. Jesus' love is communal. As we keep going through this passage in Romans 5, verses 10 through 11, it says this, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ, now check this out, has made us friends of God. Has made us friends of God. See, Jesus did not just come to save us. He came to be our friend, to have a relationship with us, which is just mind-blowing. It's crazy. He didn't just want to say, hey, I just want to save you out of the thing that, that, that is going to kill you. But like, hey, I want to be your friend. I want community with you. You know, but, but so many times, so, so, so Jesus' love is so great that it desires community. But I look at myself and I, and I see that, you know, so many times I, I, I just want to keep my distance from people. I don't want that community with people because there's something in me that says, man, you cannot let people get too close to you because then they'll find out who you really are. So I try to keep a distance. Yeah, I, I've been meeting with some guys and, and they called me out the other day. I, I you know, we, we journal stuff and then we're supposed to kind of share with the group and, and I, I'd kind of, you know, shared something that was just, it was just fluffy. It was just kind of like not really real. And it was like one of the first times that they were like, 
that anybody called me out on that. They're like, that's not real. That's not authentic. Like, come on, like, you, you are so much better than that. And at first, I, I kind of got like, who are they to tell me? And then I realized, like, man, it's because these guys love me. They don't want me to be the kind of person that just keeps people at a distance and tries to convince everybody that everything's fine and that my life is great and all this kind of stuff. And so the love of Jesus is, is a kind that brings people close and says, hey, you can, you can see the real me and I can see the real you and I'm going to love you regardless because I understand that there is a grace of God that covers us to where we can, can sharpen each other. We can be close enough to each other to where we can grow together. I want to ask you, like, what, like are, you, are you for real in your relationships? Do you have real community? Where you have people close enough that they actually see who you really are? Because it's so easy to put a facade up, to, to just say, hey, everything's great. My kids are perfect. Our marriage is awesome. Everything's going great. But, but that's not the real love of Christ. The real love of Christ brings people close, has a, a real community. I think this is part of why we've lost our effectiveness in evangelism. Because we're not willing to actually have relationships with people. We want people to be saved and we want to, you know, Maybe be able to check some boxes to say, yeah, I shared my faith and people came to Christ because of me. But like to truly have community with people that don't believe what you believe. And to say, listen, I don't love you because you might believe what I believe someday. But I love you because God loves you. Because you are a human being. Because you're created in the image of God. That's why I love you. That's why I want to hang out with you. And, and you share your faith simply because it's part of your life, but that's not the end. That, that's not the only reason you're hanging out with somebody. You know, have that sort of love for somebody that says, you know what, I love you as a person, not just as a convert. That sort of relationship, that sort of, I believe there'll be so much more effectiveness in evangelism in, in sharing the love of Christ when, when you truly are close to somebody. We share in Growth Track about... Um, Forming relationships with people that, that don't believe in Christ. And, and the way I, I kind of um, show it is that like, okay, if, some, if somebody knocks on your door and is like, hey, how's it going? Uh, I've got this vacuum that I want to sell you. Like, it's amazing. It's incredible. Like, you should get it. Like, if you buy it right now, it's going to be cheap. Like, all this kind of stuff. Like, I'm probably going to be like, hey, thanks, man. We're good. Because I know with that person, they're a salesperson. And the only reason they want to sell me this vacuum is not because of who I am, but, but because of the commission that they'll get, because it benefits them, because they know if I sell this vacuum, I get 10% of the, 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 the sales and, and then it'll be good. But, but there's a huge difference between that and then if a, a, someone I truly have a relationship with, that I have a friendship with, comes up to me and says, man, there's this vacuum that I bought that's like, it's incredible. Like, it's changed my life. And I, like, you can buy it if you want to, but like, it's amazing. Like, I just needed to tell you that because it's changed my life and you're my friend. There's a good chance I'd go and get that vacuum because I know, I mean, that person cares about me. Like, they, they, they get nothing out of this other than the joy of me being able to use this vacuum and get the same result that they have. You know, and I'd be like, okay, there's a good chance I'm going to buy this vacuum. It's the same thing with Jesus. When we just knock on doors and just have surface level relationships and say, hey, hey, you need to follow Jesus and blah, blah, blah. And it looks like we're just a salesperson 
and we're just trying to fill our quota for our lives with people we brought to Christ, it is so insincere. But when we, just like Jesus, desire community with people simply because they're, they're human beings, and we bring them close enough to where they can not just hear about the love of Jesus, but feel the love of Jesus from our lives, then I believe that there's going to be way more effectiveness because it's just going to be real and authentic. And they're going to know that you want them to follow Jesus because you love them. And, 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 and you want them to be close. You know, I believe that there's not been effectiveness in discipleship, like showing people how to follow Jesus because we just cut ties so fast. And oh, great, they, they said the sinner's prayer we're gonna, and send them off. And it's like, no, we need people close enough to us to where we can form communities. The, um, you know, the love of God is in community. To truly experience the love of Jesus, we have to be in community. You know, this is why small groups are so important at this church. I tell people, if, if, if for whatever reason you had to choose between Sunday mornings and small groups, I'd say go to a small group because that's where you get the community where real life change is going to happen. That's where, where the rubber meets the road and you actually get close enough to people where they can really see who you are and you can really share what's going on. Um, you know, so, so when the next uh, semester hits, the, the early next year, get into a small group. Some of you, you need to lead a small group. You need, you need to be the one that says, you know what, I'm going to bring people in close to me. Um, you know, if, if you want to uh, lead a small group, we've, we've got a number that you can text. Uh, I believe it's lead to 85775. And you can um, lead a small group to where you're saying, you know what, I desire community. I want to bring people in close. So it's communal. And the last is that Jesus' love commissions it commissions. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, this is called the Great Commission. And what it's saying is that, man, the love of Jesus is so powerful. This is right before Jesus went back up to heaven. The love of Jesus is so powerful that it has to be spread. It has to be spread. When we fully experience this love of Jesus that, that came to us, that's contrary to logic, that's communal, that's, that wants relationship with us. It's saying that is so powerful that and we can't help but spread it when we truly experience it. You know, and, and, and what I see is that I've made spreading the gospel into such a guilt trip in my life. Man, I need to bring people to church. Man, I need to share my faith. Man, I need to, it's just this guilt trip. But I believe that when we truly, truly experience this love of God, that it, it's going to spread in ways that are so much more, um, organic than just a forced um, presentation. When people are around you, they'll, they'll experience this kind of love, but that's the thing is that you have to have the people around you for them to experience it. And you have to be around the source, around Jesus. 
It's kind of like weddings, man. I love weddings. And at the end, I love when there, you know, there's the sparklers and the couple runs through and, uh, you know, and, and, and there'll always be one person that has the sparkler and then everybody goes up and, and puts the sparkler to that sparkler and then you pass it on down the line. There'll be times though where you hold your sparkler, you know, and, and they've got theirs and, and, um, and you can't really tell if it's lit or not because that light is like so bright. And so when you, when you pull it away, you'll see whether or not it, it, it lit. And, um, you know, the thing about when, when you can tell that that sparkler passed on to you, like when you tell like, man, I've got it, is when, when, when you pull it back and yours is a light, but also you can pass it on to other people. And, that's, and there's been so many times where I pull the sparkler back and, and there's not that light. And so what I have to do is I can't just like stand there and be like, oh man, like how am I going to get this lit? I just got to go back to the original source. I need to go back to that original sparkler to get that lit so that I can pass it on to other people. And, and I want to ask you, have you, do you have that sort of relationship with God, that closeness with him to where it just naturally spreads. And if not, I don't want this to be a guilt trip where it's like, go tell five people about Jesus. And then, no, that's not, my thing is get with the source. Get with Jesus and, and truly dive into what his love means in your life and how much he truly loves you. Because then you will be compelled by love to share this, this, this thing you've experienced that you're just like, man, I need everybody else to experience this love for themselves. You know, we're going to have the candlelight service tomorrow night. And man, I, I really hope you can make it for that. And it's so cool at the end of the night because that's when the, the candles come out and, and we spread it. And it's the same thing. You got to go back to the original source and get that light so that you can spread it. You know, that, that passage of the Great Commission is so amazing because it gives us our life mission to know Jesus so closely, but then to go and to make disciples. This is why we at this church are so big about taking it beyond the four walls of this church. Because the very command of Jesus is saying, hey, this love is too great for it to be confined by a Sunday morning and to be confined by four walls. This love of Jesus needs to be in the community. So in 2019, let's have that in our minds of Okay, in what ways is the love of Jesus going to be so great that it just spreads? 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19, it says this. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. You know, this is life's mission in a nutshell is that, you know, it, everything was in perfect harmony with Jesus and community with Jesus. Everything in this world, all of creation was. And then sin just totally, we messed it up. Satan came and, and we gave him control and it, and it threw off everything. But to reconcile the world with Jesus, to bring the world back to reconciliation with God, perfect relationship with God, that is our life mission. And so I want to encourage you to, to think about, man, 
What dreams has God put in your heart that is all about the reconciliation of people to Jesus, to bring people to Jesus? Think about that as, as, as just your everything. So I'm going to pray here in a moment, and, and I'm going to pray for all of us to truly experience the love of Jesus in a way that will change our lives. But for some of you, um, you know, it talks about how that there's this gift from God where he brings us to himself through Christ. And just like any gift, it has to be received. You know, I could pay so much for, for uh, a perfect gift for you. I could get you one of those cars in the commercial with a big bow on it and everything. And I, and I, I could have paid for it already. And I have the keys for you and I've got it wrapped and, and, and I've got to reach out to you. The thing is that it's not your gift until you receive it. It could have been paid for, but if you're like, listen, I'm going to go and I'm going I'm to work so hard to where I can pay off that car and I can do everything and, 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 and I'll bring you that money. And I'd say, no, you can't. There's no way that you could pay this off. Just receive the gift. It's like, no, 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 I've got to pay this off. The thing is, you just simply have to receive it. And then once you, the, with the love of Jesus, once you receive it, that's going to be when the life change happens, when you can do the things that God has called you to do. So for some of you, I want to encourage you that if you've never received this gift from God, that is just simply his grace, him dying for you and rising again in your place. If you have not received this gift, I want you to know that today is your day. You can receive this gift that comes from God, that was Jesus Christ. That is why we celebrate Christmas. And I'm going to pray here in a little bit. And I just, I just want you to pray to God and say, God, I am receiving the gift you've given me. I'm turning from my old life. I'm going to stop trying to, to find the joy I can only find in you and other things. I'm turning to you. I'm receiving this gift of Jesus. I'm going to live my life for you. So if that's you, during my prayer, I just want you to, in your own words, tell God, Jesus, I'm, I'm following you. I'm receiving your gift. So let's pray. Dearly Father, God, we thank you so much for your love. God, that your love is life-changing, that it's radical, that it's so different than anything else that we could ever experience. God, that, it's, um, that you came to us. Lord, that your love doesn't make any sense, that it's contrary to logic. Lord, that it's communal. And then it commissions us. Lord, it gives us a mission in our lives. Lord, a purpose. Jesus, I pray for anybody in here that they may have a belief of you, but they don't believe in you. They might know of you, but they don't know you. Jesus, I pray for them today, Lord, that they would receive this gift of relationship with you. That they would know that you gave your life so that they could be reconciled with you. If that's you, I, if you don't know the words to say or, or, or just you know you want to receive this gift, but you're just not sure how to pray, I just want you to just say these words. And they're not magic words. It's belief in your heart. But just say, Jesus, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for giving your life. Thank you for loving me so much. I know that I can't do this on my own. I'm so sorry for all the ways that I've gotten it wrong. But Jesus, from here on out, I want a relationship with you. 
I want to live for you. I want to have this love that is so amazing in my life, and I want to spread this love to other people. Jesus, thank you. In your name I pray, amen.